Hello, hello, and welcome to the Holistic Fitness Podcast, where you'll learn how to get your goals without burning out. I'm your host, Laurie, and this show isn't just about movement and nutrition. You probably already know that exercise and nutrition is important for your mental and physical health and well-being. It's also about stress management, mindset, shedding those limiting beliefs, and working through some of that childhood trauma while you're at it. Today, I'm joined by Lily Allen Duenas. Lily is the founder of Wild Yoga Tribe and host of Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. Lily is an international yoga teacher, meditation guide, and holistic health and wellness healer and coach. She helps overwhelmed individuals reduce their emotional overload and find balance, breath, and space for self-care. We chat about yoga, the global yoga community, and how you can find more balance in your life. If you're a high-functioning person who feels guilty about resting, then this will be a really helpful conversation to listen to. How are you going today, Lily? I'm great, Laurie. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to have you. I was checking out a bit of your work and I love to see that you do, you know, meditation. You like to talk about Vipassana as well. Like personally, I've done a Vipassana in India as well. And, you know, you're also a yoga teacher. So I really felt as though you'd be a great guest to share with people, you know, that yin and yang experience when it comes to holistic fitness. How I start with all the guests that come on the podcast is that generally like when you come into some sort of healing modality, whether it be movement or, you know, something more rest, there's usually a backstory as to why you got here in the first place. So can you share with me the context of what we need to know about your life to know why you help people in the way that you do today? No, I like how you phrased that, Laurie. Great. Um, so I guess I came to yoga and uh, well, I came to meditation first. I was 10, 11 years old. It was actually at a YMCA outdoor summer camp and each morning they offered a little short meditation class by the lake and like you know this was a long time ago this wasn't trendy there's no smartphones there's no YouTube YouTube was not a thing when this started and so it was just really special to like be introduced to that and then I could immediately feel that that was something I needed. Like my mind, I think is very fast. If you know anything about Ayurveda, I'm very Vata. And so just having some way to just kind of drop down into the body, out of the head, into the breath, and just have more space for kind of the busyness to settle. I just was, oh my gosh, amazing. I came to yoga when I was 16. A soccer teammate asked me, hey, do you want to try this new thing? I've never heard of it. Have you heard of it? It's called yoga. It's at my mom's gym. I'm like, I have no idea, but we can get frozen yogurt after yoga. Like I thought I was so funny. Um, No clue. Again, this was not something that was mainstream, not something we knew the name of. And it wasn't because we were living in a hole. I grew up in California. Um, You know, that that, not in the LA region where the Hollywood star started practicing in the seventies and eighties, but Uh, This was a new thing. And so I could, again, feel within like two minutes of walking into that room, this is what I meant to do. Like this, I could feel like, oh, it's like I was remembering something that I had forgotten. So uh, I loved it. So then I went to college, started practicing regularly, found a studio, found teachers. And then after graduation, I did uh, move uh, abroad and do an art fellowship in Greece. But when I came back to the U.S., you know, I was working in marketing management for a total of about seven years. And I got really burned out. And again, burnout was not a phrase. (laughs) Burnout was not, it wasn't part of the lexicon. I don't even know if that word was invented maybe until like 2015, right? Like, I don't know when that word came to be, but it definitely wasn't when I was feeling it and experiencing it. There was no word. Um, So I decided to spend uh, some time in Shavasana, extra time every day, like asking my inner voice, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to serve? 
uh, what am I supposed to do and give and how can I do that? And then it took a full year. I was very patient <laughs> or I was really impatient, but I was patient at the same time, you know? Yeah. Um, so it took that year of listening to then, oh, the answer came. I'm supposed to help other people on the path of health and wellness. And I'm supposed to do that by being a yoga teacher and then learning other modalities that have really resonated like Reiki or chakra healing or crystal healing. And so everything that I can do to meet people where they are, like that's, that's what I'm all about. (laughs) That is so cool. And it sounds like you have like a whole bunch of modalities and tools in your tool belt as well, like meditation first and yoga, then Reiki and crystal healing. What I particularly love about your story, Lily, is when people come on the podcast, including myself and my, my journey is often growth has come from a place of trauma or growth has come from a place of discomfort. But for you, you know, while you did get burnt out, your growth and your knowing came from a place of curiosity and came from a place of like, let's try this out. And this feels really good. So I would think that is, I don't want to say it's unique, but I think it's aspirational to be able to do something that's really good for for us from a place of healing rather, uh, sorry, from a place of curiosity rather than, oh no, my life's in shambles. And now I'm going to like try yoga. Totally. And I, I understand that a lot of people can come to it when there's been pain and, and, yeah. and trauma or something. They're like, oh, I just can't sleep. I can't move my back any chronic pain or a huge traumatic event, life event. And for me, I was also very mindful, Lori, like from the beginning that I know people usually hit rock bottom or hit a really hard place before changing their life. And I knew I just, I didn't want to hit that place. (laughs) I was like, I don't want to go all the way there. Like, so it was very mindful of me as well that when that voice came to me and I said, oh, this is what I meant to do. Within two weeks, I had a plane ticket booked to Nepal to become a yoga teacher, had my deposit paid. I got a month sabbatical from work. And then when I showed up there, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is really real. It's really what I'm supposed to be doing. So I came home, quit my job, packed everything up and then spent, um, you know, two and a half, three years with a backpack traveling around the world, teaching and learning. I knew I I couldn't just do 200 hours and say, okay, I'm a yoga teacher. I'm done. Like, it's like, no, more teaching, more training, more just sitting at the feet of masters and gurus and people who have practiced a lot longer or have different knowledge and philosophies and methodologies. And so I knew I had to keep learning and growing. And I also knew that quitting that desk job moving across the world, like saying goodbye to everything. Like that's quite a huge, like eat, pray, love type of thing to do. Right. (laughs) And and rock bottom usually is the place you hit before you go. And I was really grateful that I didn't have to have to do that. (laughs) Yeah. And I love that you had that self-awareness as well, that, you know, you're getting burnt out. It's, it's time to do something new. And I also love your philosophy on, I think yoga is really good at saying, hey, look, I'm a student and a teacher. And, you know, you, it sounds like you really through osmosis learned so many different things from different teachers. But, you know, that's life as well. We're all students, no matter how good we get at something. Like if you stop growing, you're like actually regressing. We think about inflation, like inflation was 7% last year or something crazy. Like if your money was sitting in the same place, you're actually getting less money. It's the same with life and your skills. Like you've got to keep on growing and learning to, to move forward. I completely agree. I think um, learning is just such a part of being. And I agree that if you're not learning, 
it is almost a regression the way our, our memory works with like elasticity, right? And just mm. the way also also being stressed chronically, we are deteriorating our ability to consolidate memories. It's just one of those opportunistic functions that our body has. And if we're chronically in a place of stress, the body cannot allocate those resources to memory consolidation. So just fun fact for listeners that uh, stress even impacts your ability to, to learn because if you can't remember what you've learned, oh. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my goodness. I have so much that I want to dive in like with your previous story, but that is such a mind-blowing fact. I want to learn more about this. So what else does being stressed like chronically impact? I love that because it, it there, I can't say, uh, well, I can give you a list, but it's kind of, it impacts everything. So stress affects all layers of the entire body. So that's going to be your musculoskeletal, your respiratory, your cardiovascular system, your endocrine, your gastrointestinal, your nervous and reproductive, like all systems are being impacted. And when I say impacted by stress, you probably think, okay, yeah, I get really stressed out about maybe a tough conversation with my boss, maybe once a month, or I get really stressed out about, you know, a really big deadline that comes, you know, every quarter. Okay. I hear you. I hear that those are like the big stress events. But the way that we are living our lives in the Western world, at least, I cannot speak for, for every place around the world quite, but I know that way we're living it is chronic stress. And our body has no differentiator between are we really, really stressed or just a teeny bit stressed? There's no low, medium, high. The way that our body processes it would all be like a huge red alert stress. So an email that comes out of nowhere that says, hey, you misspelled that in the press release, that little like, oh, oh no, you know, that that's the same exact re response as if someone crashed into your car. Like, you know, this, that stress release in the body, it's all going to be tigers. Like if in the biological world, I'm sure your listeners have heard this related before, but the, our brain treats all stress as if we're being chased by a tiger. So when a paper tiger shows up, like a non-threatening stressor, our body still kicks into high alert. So there's no low gear at all for our nervous system. It's always asking, am I okay? Am I okay? Am I safe? And if that answer is no, just because of an email and that it throws your body a little off guard, then your stress response is going to kick in. And what that does is insane. I don't know if you want to get into the physiological stress response at all, Lori. It depends. Like, I, th I think I'm really curious about these paper tigers because we can't avoid them. You know, at least most people can't avoid them. While what you're doing and what your purpose is is amazing, you know, traveling the world for two years and then becoming a yoga teacher, that's not everyone's dream. Some people want to be a marketing manager for the rest of their lives. So how do people who are in their corporate jobs or in, you know, stressful roles get to where you are now and manage that stress, manage those paper tigers? Mm. And also, I will step up and say, I am not perfect. My paper tigers <laughs> are still exist. And there's still yes. are days where I'm like, I can feel I was stressed all day. And I tried so hard, you know, like, it's okay, you're not perfect, no matter how many tools you have in your toolkit, perfection doesn't exist. And the way that just the work world works, it, it is constantly stimulating your stress response, which be that sympathetic part of the nervous system instead of parasympathetic. So sympathetic, focused, awake, alert, working, parasympathetic, those housekeeping activities, rest, 
digest immune functions and memory consolidation. So, okay, what can you do? You're a business person, you work in corporate, you want to, um, you know, you're chronically stressed. You can maybe feel you have jaw pain, you have neck pain and shoulder pain. You feel hunched up at your desk all day long. Your digestion system isn't working so well. You're feeling jittery, overly caffeinated. You're feeling like you can't sleep very well. Your anxiety is high. Like all of these, all of these examples actually can be traced back to the the immune function or the functions of the body, the biological, physiological stress responses. So it makes sense. It totally makes sense. You feel this way. You're not alone. And this is just how body deals with stress. Paper tigers are real tigers. So what you can do is it depends on how much time you have. Cause I also want to honor and acknowledge that we are in incredibly busy people in an incredibly busy world that expects you to produce, create, and do. It doesn't love it when you're just being, if you're just being in silence, you're not producing something, you're not buying something, you're not, you know, the, the world wants you to be as busy as possible because that's how they capitalize on you. Mm. And I get it. And I hear that, but I hope you hear it too. I hope your listeners just hear it. Like, okay, the world actually wants me to be busy. And in fact, Netflix has come on the record, Lori, and they have said who their number one competitor is. Do you want to take a stab at who Netflix has on the record said their number one competitor is? Oh my goodness. Obviously, I want to say HBO Max, but I'm going to say like another recreational activity like Instagram or something like doom scrolling. What is it? You're so close because it is (laughs) another activity, but it is sleep. Sleep is the number one competitor for Netflix. That makes me mad. That makes makes me really mad. So they have spent millions or billions, I don't know, M or B, right? But they've spent a ton of money with scientists and with uh, psychologists and how to get you not to sleep. That's their goal. Less sleep means you watch more of their product. So that's crazy. Bad, 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 bad. So the whole world (laughs) wants you not to sleep, to work as much as you can, to buy as much as you can, to want as much as you can. Right. Mm -hmm. So I I want to acknowledge too where people are. So if you have time where you can every day have a yoga class you go to, or if you have time where every morning you can take 30 minutes to meditate and do some light stretches. Yes. These are, these are great. If you can carve out a little bit of time, I don't know how many kids you have. I don't know your living situation. I don't know your job situation. I don't know what shift you work. I, I can't know that, but I can say that the more time you can give to yourself for self-care and as a busy, busy, busy executive or corporate person, Imagine if you could every day, just we'll, we'll say, hopefully it's every day, but if it's twice a week, it's twice a week. Could you put on your Google calendar an appointment with yourself? Could you make an appointment with yourself every day, either a 10 minute appointment, a 30 minute appointment? And could you honor that appointment like you would if you were actually meeting someone else? Could you say, nope, this time is really, it is an appointment and it is my job to take care of my stress levels, to take care of my body, because I think it's um, been researched enough and spoken about enough and tweeted about enough, right? That stress will decrease your productivity and your creativity and your efficiency, right? Like it also is negatively impacting your work. If you're thinking, oh no, it's just, it's just my body. It's just this twitchiness and I can't sleep and I can't digest food. That's okay. At least I'm great at my job. I don't know again who you are, what's going on with you, but It is impacting a lot of layers and it's not just a personal thing. You are going to be a better employee. You're going to be a better friend, a better partner, a better parent if you're able to de-stress. 
I promise. I like I, with my whole heart, I promise. And so I hope that you can make an appointment with yourself and take that time. But if you can't, I have some great one minute, five minute, like whatever you got to give, we can deregulate your stress system and response in one minute, in three minutes, in five minutes, we can reset that. Um, so it doesn't have to be the full one hour, half hour, if that's what you have to give. Are you tired of constantly feeling burnt out while trying to achieve your goals? Do you find yourself struggling to maintain motivation and productivity over long periods of time? I'd like to introduce you to the Goal Getting Journal, the ultimate solution for those of you who want to surpass their goals without burning out. Our journal is designed to help you set achievable goals, track your progress, and maintain a healthy work-life balance. With our journal, you'll discover practical strategies for managing stress, staying motivated, and avoiding burnout, including time blocking, habit stacking, and so much more. You'll also learn how to prioritize your tasks and maximize your productivity so you can get more done in less time. The Goal-Getting Journal is perfect for anyone who wants to achieve their goals without sacrificing their mental health and well-being. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a student, or just someone who wants to make any positive change in your life, the Goal-Getting Journal can help you stay on track and avoid burnout. And for Holistic Fitness Podcast listeners, you can get 20% off your first journal using the code HF podcast. Go to goalgettingjournal.com and type HF podcast at checkout to get your discount. So what are you waiting for? Order the Goal Getting Journal today and start getting your goals without burning out. Lily, you speak so much sense and I love how cognizant you are that, you know, a lot of people say that we have the same 24 hours in the day, but I love how cognizant you are, that's not the case. You know, everyone has such different lives. Some people do shift work. Some people have children. Some people have two jobs. Like everyone is so different. And I think what you've just said there is that we have a problem with deprioritizing ourselves because just listening to you speak that, you know, I track my time when I'm at work, you know, in my day job and 40% of my time last week was in meetings. So dedicating my time to other people. But when you said, you know, putting 30 minutes on your calendar just for yourself, I know that a lot of other people in corporate, I know myself doing that in the workday, I struggle with that focus time. I struggle to commit to that focus time or commit to that, um, you know, de-stressing time because there's so many other priorities pulling at you during the day. Something I've noticed as a yoga teacher is that meditation and yoga isn't for everyone, especially meditation. A lot of people struggle with that. Um, and, you know, there are other things like journaling and breath work and things that we can do. How do you help people like find what deregulates their system if they feel like they've tried a few things? Yeah. I, and I love that question too, because if you tried a few things, let's say you've tried to meditate two times. And you yeah. say, no, 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 not for me. My brain moves so much. Like I can't focus and I, my mind's going crazy. So is my mind. And so <laughs> is everyone else who meditates mind. Like you are not alone. You're not doing it wrong. Like people think they're doing it wrong. Or they think, oh, I'm supposed to be seated comfortably and quietly in my mind. It's like, uh, meditation's not comfortable. <laughs> you know, if yeah. you're meditating to be comfortable, you know, with that expectation in mind, I'm sorry, you're probably not going to feel that because I've spoken with monks who they started, they joined a monastery when they were five years old. They've been meditating every day for four hours plus a day since they were five years old and now they're 45. 
and their mind, they say they still struggle in meditation. Mm. It is not about becoming a perfect meditator. And I think sometimes just myth busting that with people, Lori, that really helps. That really helps because they say, oh, I'm not doing it wrong. Oh, I'm not bad. Because, you know, we don't like feeling like we're bad at something. We don't want to do something we're bad at over and over again, unless you have that personality type where you can be gentle and compassionate enough with yourself to say, I'll be bad at guitar right now, but I'll get better. And like, that's so sweet. I love that. Like, you I love to- that. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, because I do think one of my practices of meditation, yoga, and pranayama, all of this teaches me to how to be more compassionate with myself when my mind is not where I want it to be. Or if I sit for 30 minutes to meditate and the entire time I'm distracted, that's okay. That is okay. I showed up, I sat, and one of those mantras is, and yet I sit no matter what's going on. And yet I sit. So myth busting is first. I always try to say, okay, what have you tried? How much have you tried it? Why don't you think it works? Can we try it this way together? And if meditation doesn't work for you, seated, cross-legged, why not laying down? Are you a person who falls asleep though? I mean, just check in on that. But could we do walking meditation instead? Could we do running meditation, cooking meditation? Like what can we do to bring more mindfulness into some of your daily activities? If you don't have time to sit for 30 minutes, I promise you, you brush your teeth at least once a day, hopefully twice. Can we bring mindfulness into teeth brushing? Like if we, can we take an activity you already do and make it better? So mm-hmm. if that's also a goal, uh, but if you, if things aren't working, yoga is not your thing. Okay. Yoga is not your thing. All right. That's okay. Can, can we then do breath with maybe small movements? So can we just, you know, inhale our arms up, exhale our arms down inhale arms up and just do it slowly and then we can stop doing things with our arms we can start touching each finger on each inhale we can pair breath to movement or if that doesn't feel good we can do breath work without any movement and we can just maybe do with a mudra like nadi shodhana or we can do brahmari with this humming bee breath there's so Mm. many different types of breath work too that if you say oh i i tried one breathing thing okay well there's a dozen i can help you with so silence safety, uh, awareness of what comes through your senses, repetitive movement, calm sounds, deep breathing. These are all going to help. All of these are things that elicit the parasympathetic response in the body, which decreases your stress. Mm. I love all of those different examples because they're so, they're so true. And I think that we have this thing with meditation because it's a practice where you're not producing, people expect you to be able to do it really well straight away. And by really well, I mean not think, but that's not actually the goal of meditation. The goal is to learn to observe. And it's really weird because I'm a personal trainer as well. And I have never had a client that's gotten upset on the first day that they couldn't bench 100 kilograms or 220 pounds. And it's like, then why are you getting upset that your brain's not quiet? I'm also a Vata. I did the 10-day Vipassana in Derudun. On day 10, my brain was still nuts. It doesn't shut up. So a lot of that is really just breaking down that myth. And, you know, definitely something else I've observed, which I love that you spoke about when you were 10 years old and 16 years old doing these things for the first time, is trying a whole bunch of different things and figuring out what 
makes your soul happy. So for example, the humming bee breathing and also chanting mantras and using my voice, those things I really enjoy and get me into that relaxed state really quickly. But I wouldn't have known that unless like I kept on trying different things. So I do think that sense of curiosity and what you mentioned about like there's 12 different pranayamas I could, I could try with you is so valid. Oh, yeah. I love saying, too, that if you went to a grocery store and we'll just pretend it's your first time trying food. And if you say, oh, I, I you take one bite of a banana and you're like, oh, I don't like fruit. I do not like fruit. That was not delicious. <laughs> OK, but have you tried a strawberry? Have you tried a blueberry? Like, oh, my gosh, there's so many differences. And that's even just that example within yoga. If you say, I don't like yoga okay, you tried the banana then maybe, you tried something at your gym. How about we try an apple at this studio with this teacher? Or how about we try yin or restorative or ashtanga or a younger or power or just, there's so many different ones and they are as different as a banana tastes to a blueberry. Like, totally. (laughs) Mm, Yeah, totally. I am, that actually, this is kind of a segue, but I have started, I'm doing a 90 minute challenge, a 90 minute, a 90 day challenge at the moment where I'm doing hot yoga every single day for 90 days. Sometimes it's yin and at a lower heat. And then I've noticed with a lot of the classes, um, I'm feeling that sense of productivity in some of the power vinyasa. So I think because a lot of my background, so I did Ashtanga and Hatha teaching and a lot of my background is with vinyasa, but more slower flows. But my experience living in the USA is that the class the power vinyasas are like so intense. And I'm like, is the thought in America, the more calories you burn and the more like these yoga movements seem more like a booty burn, like more productive or something? Or is is this just a different style of yoga? Can you tell me more about the balances you've observed from your professional training and also, you know, living in America? Yeah. So I actually just moved back to the U.S. here a couple months ago and I'd been out of the country for five years. So I definitely have done a lot of yoga around the world, done a lot of trainings and had a lot of classes and teachers. And also what I love, love, love is like the global yoga community. So hopefully Lori will let me speak about that a little bit later. But (laughs) I will say that in the U.S., Absolutely, Lori is spot on. If you are a listener and you don't believe her, she's 100% true. That in the US, this power, 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 burn, 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 fast, push, like this is the energy. And I think that is reflective of our lifestyle. Mm. Push, do. If you have 30 minute workout, do work out as hard as you can, as fast as you, insanity, intensity, you know, that's just the vibe. And so I think that if you are doing a slower Hatha practice, people think they're wasting their time. They think, oh, I didn't do enough poses. Oh, I didn't burn enough calories. Their Apple watches are tracking everything. Oh, I didn't. My heart rate wasn't up high enough. I didn't sweat enough. I'm not sore enough. Like I'm not enough, 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 enough on repeat. That's really hard because often we gravitate to a practice style too that is in alignment with how we are living our lives. So if you are living your life in a fast lane where you're pushing yourself a lot and you feel like you're rushing through, you know, rushing through poses, you're rushing through your day, you're probably only to get better at rushing. And is that something you want to get better at? (laughs) Do you want to be better at rushing? If you rush, you'll get better at rushing. 
But if you live in this fast lane, maybe consider doing a very slow Hatha or yin based practice because Mm. having that yin yang, having that balance of energies in your day and in your body, your body has been go, 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 send the email, uh, jump to that meeting, do this thing. I have that. Oof, yeesh. That's how we, that's how we live. And so taking time to really slow down and be in a pose for a whole minute or three whole minutes or five whole minutes. Wow. What a gift. What a way to balance a little bit more in your day. So although you may start to feel bored or maybe you start to judge, oh, I am not doing enough. I'm wasting. I'm not burning. I could be instead. I could be working out, you know, be curious about that. You've noticed Mm. something have popped up in your head. You've observed it. You've checked in with it. Okay. Something's there. Why am I responding that way? Why? Be curious, investigate, use that time to investigate your mental habits and formations and patterns and see if it serves you. Is it true? Or is that just an expectation that makes you feel bad? And if that makes you feel bad, do you want to keep feeling that way? Mm. I love the way you explain that, Lily. And in particular, when you said that we often practice movement in alignment with how we're living our lives And we kind of recreate those circumstances. And something I speak to, especially on social media is, you know, all movement is amazing, but maybe perhaps that hit class or running isn't actually serving you. You know, maybe there's a reason why you're always feeling stressed. You're always feeling like you're behind and then you're, you know, running and doing hit when actually maybe you need a more parasympathetic nervous nervous system practice. And a a big reason why I've moved into yoga and being a student of others rather than doing my own thing is is exactly that. You know, I'm burning the candles at both ends. So when going into these power vinyasa classes, we're just moving through poses and I can't connect my breath to the movement because we're going from like warrior three, one-legged Tadasana, warrior three, like really, really quickly. I'm like, I'm not getting what I signed up for, even though like I am enjoying it in some capacity. So practicing in alignment with what you're doing is is so powerful and, and building that self-awareness as well can be super powerful for people so that they're like, hey, you know what, you know, I need to learn how to slow down or I need to learn how, you know, for our kapha individuals, I need to learn how to speed up. Um, that's really cool. Absolutely. Right there that not everybody does need the slow classes. Kapha people are people who struggle with Oh, maybe just that, you know, desire to move quickly or desire to kind of get things done or, you know, turn and burn, baby. Um, Some people kind of have that more uh, gentle and soft and, um, you know, they enjoy being still. Wow. Oh, I I admire them so much. That's lovely. But at the same time, they they do need to have something that would maybe push them a little bit faster to to generate more heat in their bodies because they're used to that stillness. Uh, So total respect and love for all kaffas, of course, but uh, something power might be better suited for your energy just to to balance. As Lori and I said, yin and yang, right? You need both energies. You can't exist in one zone for too Mm. long without getting some kind of type of consequence. You know, whether it is burning the candle at both ends or whether that would be something, um, anxiety attack on one side. The other side might be a kind of a laziness that could lead Mm. to um, the body not moving, which would lead to other negative consequences. 
For sure. Joint Something pain, I, uh, sci- sciatica, like I don't, I don't, it can be anything, right? <laughs> it's insane how like interconnected our bodies are with our minds and, and our daily habits. And, you know, our, our medical system is amazing, but I, I do think the more, you know, functional medicine and functional approaches, like whether it be balancing out through movement, like I guess it's harder to quantify, but hey, why not? Why not do what you'd usually do with your doctor to work on things and try yoga and meditate? There's no harm in, in trying something else, you know? No. And I, so many doctors around the entire world now are recommending yoga. Like I love that it is becoming something that medical professionals are acknowledging. There's a body of research. There's a ton of large, large studies conducted over a large period of time with different types of individuals at different ages with different, you know, like all across the board and survey says it's going to help. So I love that doctors have picked up on that globally. For sure. Let's talk more about the global communities. So I feel like I've traveled to many different cu- countries. I used to work in aviation as well. So grew up in two different countries. So Australia and USA, I'm half nationality of both. Well, dual nationality, half internally of both. I don't know. <laughs> American dad, but Australian mum. And done a lot of travel like with yoga, meditation and fitness. And you have as well I've certainly noticed a lot of differences around the world, but I love it. And I love the global yoga community. Can you tell me more about, you know, why we should be caring about yoga all over the world and your observations there? Totally. So a little background is I founded the Wild Yoga Tribe and I'm the host of the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. So each week I interview one yoga teacher from a different country around the world. So, so far 78 conversations with 78 yoga teachers in 78 countries. So I love it. Like, Egypt, Estonia, Ghana to Azerbaijan, like we're all over the board and I love it. Um, So why did I do this? Why do I want to have this community of yoga teachers, but also uh, the yoga tribe as yoga students and people are interested in spirituality or just anything health and wellness. You don't have to be a teacher to be quote unquote part of the tribe, but why it's important is because Maybe you happen to live in a city. It could be New York City or it could be um, Columbus, Ohio. And there's one yoga studio or maybe 30 yoga studios, but maybe you go to one or two. And that's what you come to have understood and realized what yoga is. Mm -hmm. So Lori, imagine if this yoga studio you're talking about that you go to, which is go, 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 push, 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 power, 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 burn, burn, burn. And maybe the yoga teachers have all been trained maybe in the same type of facility with the same type of training. So you're not getting that whole, all the fruit at the market type of experience. You're getting just blueberries. Mm -hmm. And so if that's what you think yoga is, if you think, okay, no, I get it. Yoga is this one thing. You've put it into a box. And that's also just scary with anything, right? If you have met one person from Brazil and you say, I know what all Brazilians are like. Ooh, uh oh, <laughs> you know, uh oh, that's if you are not being more flexible with what you yeah. can, your perception of what something is, then I think that's one dangerous and two, you're missing out on so much. And so I knew that I really, really, really wanted to cultivate a container and a space where people can come together and learn from each other. We all have different backgrounds and histories and cultures and stories, and we've learned from different teachers. So we've understood different 
philosophies about yoga, or maybe we're psychologists. So we infuse that in our practice, or maybe we've worked with refugees or, or just all these different layers that create more understanding about, about what yoga is, about what yoga can be, about what yoga does, about what yoga mm. gives. And so I think if you're curious about one travel, let's just say you want to plan a trip to Costa Rica and you need a contact there, listen to podcasts. You know, these yoga teachers are down to earth, honest to goodness people. They're not the, the most, they're not always the most famous person in a country who practices. It's, it's people, the first studio owner in, Al, in Algeria, the first holistic center. What was that like to create that? And if, if you happen to have a business trip coming up to Algeria, I have someone to connect you with and that would give you, oh, go to this restaurant, stay at this place or Sudan. Maybe that's a place you want to go. Not super perhaps safe feeling to go there by yourself, but I have someone who can connect you to something. You know, it's like, that's what yoga is too. Yoga means yuj in Sanskrit, union. And often people translate that to union of the mind, body, spirit. That's just one thing though. That's just one layer of union. Union also in yoga, union of the Atman to the Paratman. So union of the one soul to the cosmic soul, like connecting you to infinite. So if that's true then, then yoga can certainly connect you to your community, to people around you in your space. But yoga can connect you to the whole world. That's mm -hmm. union. That is true union when we're all connected. And yoga teaches us, I think, to be more compassionate, to be more self-aware, to be more kind, to be more curious and open and flexible, not in the body. That's not it at all. Flexible, mm. not in the body, but in the mind. And if that's what yoga is teaching us, then what an amazing thing to harmonize over all together. And so that's why the global yoga community is so, 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 so important. It's a space to learn, to come together, to grow, to be curious and to be compassionate and open and flexible with our perceptions of yoga, our perceptions of other cultures and countries, our perceptions of different spaces and places and traditions and rituals and Oh, I just, I can't stop talking about it, Lori. I love it. Hey, Holistic Fitness fam, a quick message from one of our sponsors, Ned. As you all know, I recommend good nutrition, movement and stress management practices before supplementing so you know what type of supplementation that your body actually needs. For me, I supplement with very few products, but Ned is one of them. I'm a type A, high energy, ambitious business girly with massive goals. And sometimes I honestly just need to chill out and relax a bit. I've found that both Ned's de-stress and sleep blends fit in with my busy lifestyle and ambitious goals, but I was honestly not a big fan of CBD products before trying Ned, mostly because of the culture surrounding weed. I just didn't want something that was going to alter my state of mind so that I became much less of a goal getter or less ambitious. That was until I learned about full spectrum hemp and their benefits. Ned blends a chock full of premium CBD and a full spectrum hemp of active cannabinoids. Ned's full spectrum hemp oil nourishes the body's endocannabinoid system to offer functional support for stress, sleep, inflammation, and balance. These products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. All of Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil is extracted from USDA-certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Colorado. 
I'm obviously a big fan, but don't take just my word for it. Ned CBD products have over 2,000 five-star reviews and they work with incredible partners in the medical field like Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez and Dr. Will Cole. Ned is providing Holistic Fitness podcast listeners a very special discount. If you'd like to give Ned a try, listeners get 15% off Ned products with the code Lori Lee. L-O-R-I-L-E-E. Thanks, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering a natural remedy to bring balance to so many people's well-being. How cool is it, though, that we, without even traveling, can get the benefits of traveling and a global community from the comfort of our own home? And, you know, I think it really ties back to, you know, my observation of this one this one studio and they do do yoga teacher training there. And I'm like, oh, wow, imagine doing yoga teacher training in the US rather than going to India. I guess it it would be done and it can be done. And I'm sure it's very good. But I'm like, I wonder how they teach things differently here compared to in India. And if my training was almost like too traditional or, you know, is the trainings really traditional here as well? Like, I don't know. So it's it's just from that personal example and then looping it in here, you really can teach that flexibility of the mind and learn the flexibility of the mind. Actually, segue, it is such a gripe of mine when people say, I don't do yoga because I'm not flexible enough. It's like, do you not run because you um, get puffed after five minutes? Because I do too. <laughs> I know, I know. It's that That's a mantra that we hear as yoga teachers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing yoga because I'm not flexible. That's for your listeners who aren't, that's probably the number one reason people say they can't do it. Uh, but we, it's really the honest truth. It's not something I'm saying to say it, but if you have a body, you can do yoga. There exactly. is any, anybody, I, I, there's people who do yoga and they're in wheelchairs. There's amazing yoga teachers. Um, and if you want to be connected to any of them, let me know. I have some amazing uh, people with different disabilities or different um, experiences and life experience or different, they're missing a limb or they can't use their leg. I mean, they can do yoga. So if you can't touch your toes, of course you can still do yoga. Of course. I love that. And I love that you're a guest on the podcast as well, because maybe somebody who isn't able-bodied and really nervous about going into a, you know, a, a yoga studio because they know that, you know, maybe they won't be able to perform a lot of the movements and that's a source of, you know, insecurity. I'm sure that you have somebody within your network that you can connect them with to um, help them with how to get started. Absolutely. There's an amazing yoga teacher in Brazil. His name's Rodrigo and he's the founder of like Ali Hope Center. And so I can connect to his Instagram. Maybe Lori will put it in the show notes, but like there's, that's a recommendation, of course. But also Lori, just imagine if with the class that you're taking right now, the studio you're taking right now, imagine if someone in a wheelchair did want to attend that class. Mm. Ah, yikes. That's not fair. That's not okay. And also if that studio is not offering anything that is, um, anything that is not at that level where it would be non-inclusive. A non-inclusive programming is a personal gripe of mine because I am an accessible yoga teacher. If that's new to your listeners, there's accessibleyoga.com. Jeevanan Heyman is the founder of that. There's accessible yoga teacher trainings where you learn how to just welcome anyone into a yoga studio room who walks in, who wheels in, who anything's in. You are welcome here. And you I don't have to have a class just just for people in wheelchairs. Like that you can. I, I absolutely you can, but you can teach to different variations 
in one class and in one space. And so that's a personal gripe that there is a lot of studios who, who do have these power pushing physical practices who are not offering any, anything on their schedule that's accessible. Mm. That's pretty a, a gripe. Yeah. Yeah, that's a gripe for me too. That's a, a gripe for me with group fitness as well. So I um I love teaching group fitness. I love teaching HIT. I'm very high energy. You know, my favorite classes to teach are vinyasa classes, even though I need a little bit more yin. You know what I mean? So I'm not like... And this studio does have beginners yoga and it has so much. So I'm not griping on the studio at all. It's just within like the, you know classes I go to, they're all power um, at, the, at the specific time frame. So it's not against the studio at all, but definitely making things accessible, even if it's regressions and progressions for the person who perhaps is extremely fit in the class versus not as able-bodied, knee injury, what, what have you. We really do need to make people feel empowered and included in the class no matter where they're at. Yes, absolutely. I love that you're on that too. But I would hesitate to say regression or pro because that makes people feel like something's better or something's worse. Mm. So I yeah, think that, that's a really good call language. out. Yeah, that is a really good call out. And I guess like that is exactly how we're trained at at a um at a fitness level. It's it's progressive overload. And that is the language. So that's a really great call out with regards to the fitness industry and how we do um things. In, the, in yoga, yeah. we phrase it, we've all been trained, right, Lori, to say mm-hmm. modify. You can modify. Yeah, for sure. Things, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that still is a little negative. It's still kind of saying, mm-hmm. oh, well, you can't do the real thing. So here's how you can, you know, modify that for you. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, that that is not positive actual languaging. So there's all these tools and techniques and different phrasing, but um, it's usually just saying one option is this, another option is this, choose your option, because I agree, you're totally empowered mm-hmm. to choose whatever you want. But I, I didn't know that. I did not know that modification was negative for like a decade, right? So there's always more to learn. And the next training I really would love to do is a trauma-informed because part of the accessible yoga teacher training is you get a, a couple hours in that. But I just would love to go deeper and really making sure that my languaging... Oh, also, Lori, did, I, had a te- I had a student in the beginning. She could never close her eyes. And I was like, close your eyes, close your eyes. And now I know that that's a trauma respo- response usually. If you don't feel safe in an environment to close your eyes, that's because of a trauma response saying, I'm not safe. And not that I'm not creating a safe space. That's not it. It's more that that person doesn't feel safe in any environment with their eyes closed. And I kept on pushing, close your eyes. You need to close your eyes. So now I know, you know, there's just so much to learn to how to be better in spaces for people. Always. Yeah, for sure. And um, I totally agree with you in terms of that student aspect is something that we can continuously learn. Something that I was taught... Um, it wasn't actually in yoga teaching, it was in leadership training, but is if then, and I use it a lot in, so if there's any any yoga teachers listening to this and they struggle with this, um, saying, you know, if your lower back hurts in this position, then I welcome you to bend the knees. Like if Love then it. is just such an easy way, or if you're finding this not challenging, or if you're if you're welcome to something else, <laughs> then, and then you can in, in, increase the intensity. And, and that's a really good framework I found in leadership, in feedback, in fitness to um, provide modifications in a group environment so everybody feels empowered. Love it. Thank you, Laurie. I'm going to use that. <laughs> no worries. There's lots of different ways to 
um, empower people. Look, we are coming to a close now, Lily. Uh, but is there anything that you feel as though we haven't spoken about that you really, really wanted to speak with listeners today? No, we did it. We did great. Awesome. I There is a closing question on this podcast. I'm not sure if you're aware. Oh, surprise for me. <laughs> <laughs> so the closing question is, if you were sitting across the table from your 20-year-old self right now, which one sentence of advice would you give her? Oh, let me take a take a second. One sentence of advice. Doesn't have to be advice. It can just be a statement. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I feel like something about doing less and slowing down. And I mean, I'm 20. God, still so much more to learn. So much more. Uh, yeah, I, I wish that I had something prepared for that, Lori, because I think I could have probably given something lovely and your listeners would be like, oh, she's so good on her feet. But <laughs> I think that, um, I, I mean, you know, it, it, uh, that's hard too, because it would be like, break up with that guy a lot earlier, you know, like there could be <laughs> that kind of thing too as a gut reaction. But yeah. when, if I, if my quippy little one would be just like buy stock and Zoom immediately. So. <laughs> That would be the quip one. <laughs> Buy Bitcoin in 2008. <laughs> Bingo. Yeah. Something like that. Because that, that's a game changer. <laughs> that could happen. Totally. But yes, something yeah. just you don't have to do so much. You don't have to work so hard. Um, I'm definitely, I'm an overachiever, you know, valedictorian of university type of human where I just pushed myself really hard and burned out. So I do think that acknowledging that pushing is not good for you all the time that you have to have the time to to not push not pull just to be your human being not a human doing yeah Ooh, you're a human being not a human doing <laughs> That's there we go <laughs> i haven't heard that one yet <laughs> okay <laughs> cool well thank you Lori. it's been such a joy to be with you this is awesome you're so great at this i appreciate you Oh, I've just really enjoyed having you too. And I'm sure a lot of other people, especially those that are into yoga or curious about yoga, will want to learn more about your work. So where can we all find you? Yeah, I'm wherever you are. I'm there too. <laughs> so I'm all <laughs> over social media, all the channels, Pinterest, Twitter, TikTok. You can hang out with me there. It's at Wild Yoga Tribe. So Wild Yoga Tribe, also wildyogatribe.com for website, for resources, for blogs. I have a newsletter. I just send out like once a month and it always has like some great tips and tricks and quotes and features. So sign up for that. Totally free. Hang out with me or also um, Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. So let's hear stories from other amazing yoga teachers from around the world. Keep listening to Lori's, but if you want to head over to mine too, I'd love it. <laughs> There's always so much to learn from different people. And we will have all of that in the show notes as well. So people can get a hold of you nice and easily. Thank you so much, Lily, for joining the podcast today. Thanks, Lori. And for all of the listeners, no matter where you are in the world, whether you're driving in the car, cleaning the house, however you listen to us, eat well, move well, breathe well. And until next time, keep shining. Keep shining.